Guys, can you wait on the steps right there? Face us. Go to the steps and then face us. It's the fifth Sunday, so the kids are helping in all the different areas. They were ushers today. They were on the worship team today. Good job, you guys. Good job. Good job. All right. Have fun. Have fun. They'll be helping again at the end. Um, often they'll participate in the prayer team, which I don't know. If you've ever gone to a team that has a kid on it, kids believe. Kids see Jesus do stuff because they believe. It's powerful. Awesome. If you're visiting with us, uh, we do most of our singing at the end so we can respond to God and worship. Um, hopefully, our hearts are positioned when we come to the word. Our hearts are positioned in such a way that we're changed by it. <laughs> hopefully, when we, when we, on Sunday, when we, or personally, when we come, to, we open the Bible, hopefully when we come to the Word, our hearts are positioned to be changed by it. Right? I mean, we don't just need more information. How many of you have got a lot of information about God? You've been to a lot of services, <laughs> right? And that's good, but there's, I mean, even the demons believe in tremble. They know a lot about God. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to come to the Word and be transformed into the image of Christ by the Word. Which means I need to position my heart to do that. Right? Right. So um, we actually have something very exciting today. We are starting the series, The Story, where we start from Genesis 1. Yeah. And we go all the way through to Revelation once a month. So we'll do part two in October. Um, it's going to take us years. Uh, we won't touch on every single book. We'll touch on the big highlights. But even that, just Genesis, I was like, Genesis might take us three years. I'm not sure. It's going to take a while. Um, but here's the cool thing. Like, say, say your neighbor comes to faith in the Lord and starts coming to church with you five years from now if Jesus tarries, you can say, hey, if you want help walking through the Bible, go to the podcast, look up the story podcast, and start with number one. Yeah. I, that would be awesome. If I just got saved, I would love that. You know, someone help me walk through the big stuff. So anyway, um, we start with um, week one today, the story. And we're only doing verses one and two, <laughs> Genesis one and two. And then Genesis verses 26 through 28. Five verses uh, we're going to get through today, hopefully. Um, but even just those five verses, I was like, there's like 50 sermons here. There's so much. It's too big for a person to be able to communicate it properly. There's not even like words to really do it justice. So here's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit to come and bring revelation to our hearts because I can't do that. Like... I'm not actually not capable of doing justice to these five verses. I'm not dogging myself. I'm just saying it's a reality. There's a limitation. So can we just take just a minute and just position our hearts to say, God, you come and you speak. Can we just do that, Father? <laughs> we thank you, our good Holy Spirit. You gave us the word. You moved on people. You inspired them. You showed them what to write because you wanted this word for all people at all times. And so we want to receive it in our time, Lord. And not just to know a bunch of more stuff so we can argue with people. Father, we want to know you. This word is a revelation of you. <laughs> we want to know you, Lord. 
So position our hearts. Help us to position our hearts to receive from you not just more information in our head, but help our spirit to come alive and receive revelation that transforms us. For the youngest person in this room to the oldest person in this room, we still need transformation. So come. Come and do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, you wrote it. Come and communicate it. <laughs> we invite you. We invite you to help us see what you've wanted all people to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter one, verses one and two. If you're new to the faith, or maybe you're still trying to figure out what you think about this whole Jesus thing, these may be new verses to you, but for a lot of you, you could probably recite the verses we're gonna talk about today. Genesis chapter one, verses one and two. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then we're going to pick up verses 26 through 28, because we're going to do um, the creation account next week, or next month. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. All right. So, the story. The story we're in is God's story, right? We tend to be the center of our own universes, but we're in his story, right? This story started way before we were born, and if Jesus tarries, it will continue long after we're dead. How many of you? We have entered his stage, right? We are bit players <laughs> in his story, loved, made in his image, highly valued by God, but we need to understand our rightful place in the universe. We are not God. We are created beings, loved by the creator. That's a cool thing. But we are not the creator, we are not God. It is his story. He is the protagonist, he's the hero, and he is the author and finisher of it. There's part of us that wants to rise up and we want to be our own gods. We'll decide what's right and wrong. We will be God, right? This is the challenge Adam and Eve have. Satan comes and you can be like God, right? That's their challenge. Part of us wants that, but listen, if you can submit to his lordship, you are God, I am not, there will be a peace in your life that you will never have as long as you are butting heads with God. There is a confidence I have that he is the author and the finisher of my life. He is the author and he is the finisher of this story. And as long as my life is submitted to him, there is nothing that's ever gonna happen to me that took him by surprise. Which means that even though terrible things happen in a fallen world, he has ordered my steps and nothing can take me down.
You can be perplexed, right? Like Paul talks about. You can feel like you're crushed, but you are not done, right? Things can come your way, and they can shake you up, but they can't determine your future. It's his story. It's his story. And he has created us for his pleasure. And if I can submit to his lordship, say, yes, you are God. I am not God. I can submit to your will. I will live in a peace that I cannot have as long as I feel like I could be the master of my own destiny. Because you've got like 70 years-ish. That's not a long time to learn the ropes. When we're the master of our own ship, we crash a lot. And the only way out of that crash is to throw yourself on his mercy. How many of you are with me? Listen, I don't care if you're in a hole and you're in a hole of your own making. If you will craft him for mercy, he has a way. But he is God. It's his story. In the story, God makes for himself partners that will bear his image and will work alongside him. Think about that. Everything we just read in that Genesis account, he's talking about, I will create and then I will give you authority. We created nothing. We made nothing. And then he says, here's everything I have made. Everything that came out of my competence. Now here, you have the authority. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. When we trust God and we live under his lordship, there are things that he will pull together and give us authority over that we had no, we had nothing to do with making it happen. But for his good pleasure, he will say, come and rule and reign with me. I don't know about you. That's an awesome story. Here are partners I'm making in my image that are also created, and I will give them authority over all these created things that they had nothing to do with creating. Any of you ever feel a little jealous, maybe, or envious when you hear a story of someone who created something amazing and then passed it on to their son or daughter who did nothing? Anyone ever feel like, that must be nice? Must be nice. <laughs> To have a father who owns islands and nations and says, here you go. What do we kind of resent about that story? They didn't make it. They didn't build it. Why should their life be so easy? It's not right to be resentful about that. I'm just saying, we do, f who do they think they are? Well, here's who they are. They're a son and they're a daughter. And if the stuff belonged to their father, he has a right to pass it on to his son right. and to his daughter. Right. We're partners, partners in this story, working alongside him. You were made from the foundations of the earth to leave a footprint. God knew your name before he started the creation of the world. And you were made to leave a footprint as you work alongside him. You were meant to change culture culture. We live in a culture and the things that are part of our culture are so ingrained we don't even realize we're doing it. It's just part of who you are, right? 
If you are walking down a hallway and you're alone, you might be walking in the middle. If someone else starts to walk towards you, what do you automatically do? You start moving to the side, right side by the wall, and you walk on this side. Why? Because that's part of our culture. Your arm, your right arm is toward the wall, their right arm is toward the wall, and this way we don't crash. It's how we walk, it's how we drive, it's how we, why? You don't think about it. It's just what we do. How many of you know that in this culture where a lot of it's not based anymore on Christian principles, people are like experiencing all kinds of damage and they don't even know how to right the ship because they're just doing what culture says is right. They're just doing culturally what's acceptable and they're wondering why things are getting broken. We wonder why people are living in all kinds of anxiety and depression and anxiousness and like record numbers when it's never been so easy in life. And yet that's not what people are experiencing inwardly. Why? Because culturally we're saying, here's how, here's how you should live. Here's a good way to live. People are doing it and realizing I'm broken. How did I get so broken? I'm just doing what everyone else is doing. As we partner with God, we change culture. And not because we're forcing people to do something or making laws that make them do something. We change culture because people see life. When you actually live in the way that Jesus showed us, it brings life. You can see people who are living in the life of Christ. Something's coming out of them that's different than what we see all around us. Not only did he make you to make a footprint and to change culture, you were meant to create culture. And I'll get to that in just a minute. So let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Where do we come from? Somehow knowing where we come from helps us to understand who we are, right? One of the earliest questions that kids ask is what? Mom, where did I come from? As they're trying to make sense of the word, world around them, what is a basic question on their minds? Where did I come from? which always happens at the most inopportune times. So my pet answer became, I made you. I made you. <laughs> you got made in my belly. <laughs> it also made me feel like I had more room to say, not vacuum. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> they wanted to know, like, how did I get here? And I, I, so when they were really, I'd be like, well, I said, um, Daddy contributed, but I pretty much made you in my body. That's what happened. And they're like, no, really. That's an unbelievable story. It seems unbelievable. It's a miracle. Because it is a miracle. That we can somehow create life in our bodies is a miracle. If you ever want to look at the character of God and how not controlling God is, right? He's Lord. He's decided what is right and wrong, but he doesn't control people. He gives them choices. Think about this. I've been thinking about this for months and months and months now. And I'm still not done just thinking it through. But think about this. Adam and Eve sin against God. There's the fall. Everything gets broken in the fall, which we'll get to maybe next year. No, I'm just kidding. Everything gets broken in the fall. And what happens after that? He talks about how she's going to give birth to people. 
people made in his image, he made them. He made them. And then he says, I'm giving you the power to actually make more people in my image. Think about this. Like, think about how much God loves people because we are image bearers of God. They are, we are his creation, really, all of us. But he's given us, broken, fallen, sinful man, the ability to make more of them. I don't know, like if I was God and Adam and Eve had screwed up, I'd be like, you know what, I had a plan. <laughs> it was gonna go like this, but no way. Because I, he allows us to raise these people in screwed up situations even. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like he has a plan for every single person's life and yet he entrusts them to people to raise. I mean, do you just get how not controlling God is? And how rescuing he must be. Because I think we have a good home and our, still, our children will still need some therapy. About something. Just the, I, I don't know. It's, that's an amazing thing. So he makes man. He makes man his image. So not controlling. But knowing where we come from is an important thing for us to move ahead. Right? If you can't settle that, people get stuck there. You often see adoption. There's a point people come to sometimes when they've been adopted, they really need to go back and just find out, like, who were my birth parents? Not because their adopted parents aren't amazing, but there's something about that question of where I come from that has to get answered. So the very beginning sentence, God created the heavens and the earth. Where you came from was the heart of God. You are the handiwork of God. You are a masterpiece, using Paul's language, right? You are a masterpiece made for good works in him. God creates the heavens and the earth and imbues them and us with his character. This creation will function best when it functions in line with his character. So write the first verse. God creates the heavens and the earth. His creation. We know from Romans chapter 118, it says this, Wicked people suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing him. What is this saying? All of creation is revealing the character of God. How often do people in the humdrum of life Go to work, get up, go to work, get up. Go to, they'll take a minute, just look at the stars and say, man, things are way bigger than I realize every day. What happens when you look up at the sky? There are these moments of revelation. Like there is more than just us. And I'm not talking about UFOs. Although if any of you went to Area 51 and found something, we'd like to see the pictures, but hopefully we weren't arrested. But right, you, you look at nature, you study biology, and you just have these moments of feeling like there must be a God. And the more we discover about science, doesn't disprove God, the more we discover about science, we're like, there had to be an intelligent design behind this. A whale does not just develop a bump that turns into a leg because there's land out there it's never seen. Like this, do you know what I'm saying? Like... Is the whale genetic psychic? I mean, you don't sound like it. The more that you look at creation, 
It reveals his eternal attributes and qualities about God and causes people to cry out to God. And there are stories. Did you love Davida last week? Our missionary, wasn't she amazing? Amazing, amazing, amazing. But among Muslim people who've never heard the gospel, they're having dreams and visions as they've called out to God. They've looked and thought, there's more than what I know. They begin to cry out to this unknown God and guess what happens? He shows up in dreams and visions. Because you can see his eternal qualities all around us. And the earth will only function best when it functions in line with him. Our lives will function best when we function in line with him and his ways. Because creation reflects his character. So when he says things like marriage is between a man and a woman, right? Then what we see from science is, when you go outside of this pattern, what begins to happen? If I decide I'd like to have 20 husbands, right? Which from a financial point of view, <laughs> makes way more sense than 20 wives. But I'm just saying, <laughs> makes more sense to me. But, right? What if I decide that's God's plan stupid, I'd like 20 husbands, what happens as I begin to have multiple sexual partners? Whether it's heterosexual, whether it's homosexual, whatever it is, what begins to happen? Disease springs up. Why? Because God has a created order. And when we begin to operate out of that created order, nature begins to work against us. Nature begins to cry foul. That doesn't work. When we don't honor the creation he's given us authority over, right? When we begin to abuse creation he's given us authority over, what begins to happen? You can only dump so many chemicals, if you're DuPont, in the Ohio River before you kill people. because that's not what water was made for, right? You, you can't operate outside of his character and his created order and not have bad things happen. That's not about God says, I'm gonna curse this person. No, he has said creation reveals my character. And when we live our lives in line with his character, it works with what he's created. Does this make sense? To me, it's one of the greatest proofs for God because you can look through scripture and say, how did he say to live? And you can see if you live according to that, nature works with you, marriage works together, right? Think my relationships work. Things work when we do it his way. When we use kingdom tools, we have strong and abiding relationships that can weather storms. When you don't use kingdom tools in your relationship, manipulation, shame, guilt, all of that, guess what doesn't work? Relationships, why? Because it doesn't reflect the character of God. Do you see how everything he's created moves in line with his character? And so if we will submit to him as Lord and say, your way, not my way, guess what happens in life? We are blessed. Obviously, God can give a specific blessing, but you're just blessed by living in line with his character. You maybe aren't even a believer, but if you'll live according to godly ways your life will be better. It's just how creation was made. Now, I want you to live in a relationship with him, but I'm just saying, his ways work. He is the creator, and he has imbued this creation with his divine attributes and his character. You can see it all over creation, and you can live in line with his character 
and maneuver through his created things in a blessed way. And this reveals his glory. When I say no to my flesh that wants to do things our way, and I say yes to God, and I submit to his way, I see blessing in my life. Because that's what the creation was made for. Are you with me? And it reveals his glory. How many of you have found that? Like, why didn't I just do it Jesus' way in the beginning? It's how things are made to work together. Romans 8 tells us all of creation is groaning for its day of redemption. Right? We subjected all of creation to sin and the effects of sin in the fall. And all of creation groans for its day of redemption. Oh, there's more hip. We're not going to get to it. <sighs> okay. Well, really quickly. At the time that Moses wrote the book of Genesis, the Israelites are in trouble. Think about when Moses writes this and the Holy Spirit moves on him. They're in the desert. They're in trouble. <laughs> for a lot of reasons. They're in trouble. They're refugees. They've just escaped 400 years of slavery and while Adam and Eve would have orally passed down the creation story and their experiences with God, at this moment, the Holy Spirit moves upon Moses to document it. Imagine if you were one of these Israelites hearing the creation story read. It wasn't just telling them something about God that he did way back then. It affirmed to them that God could be their creator now. When you read the creation story, it's not just the sense of, oh, God did this back then. When you see how mighty he is, you're like, man, if he can do that, maybe he can meet me in this situation. He's not just the creator then. He's the creator now. He can take situations where none of the pieces are in place for it to work, and he can create the situation that you need. He can create the pieces that you need. How many of you have found that to be true? There was one time, I love this story, my grandma um, my grandpa, I think he was out hunting because um, that's how they got most of their foods on my dad's side. And a blizzard hit, and she was home alone with these kids, and they had no more coal. So they had no heat in the house. That's like dangerous times. We have no idea how dangerous it used to be to live, like just two generations ago, right? I mean, like, they could freeze to death. This is serious. There's no coal in the house. And so um, she's praying. She's a praying woman. She's praying, 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 and God told her, send the children out in the snow, and they'll find coal. It's like blizzarding. There's all this fresh snow on the ground, tons of it, and it's still in the blizzard. She sends those kids out, and sitting on top of the snow all over their backyard is coal. Big lumps of coal all over the yard. On freshly fallen snow. I'm just saying, <laughs> when we read the creation account, we don't just say, oh, God was a creator. God is a creator. Listen, he brought coal out of nowhere. He brought her lumps of coal. I don't know. Our family has a million stories like that. We've just seen God show up. And so we read this, it speaks hope to us. No matter what situation we're facing, he's not, he wasn't just the creator, he is the creator. You might even feel like I've made a mess of stuff. Well, invite the creator in, because you know what? He made all these things from nothing. Your situation isn't too hard for him. It just isn't. Verse 2, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering 
over the face of the waters. We won't take a long time here just to say, um, so what we have is we have the planet and we have water before the creation event starts. So we'll get more into like origin stuff in the future, but just to say what we know from scripture is that the planet is here and water is here when, God, when we have Genesis starting. So was the universe here for a very long time and the planet here for a very long time and then God creates? Did he create it the second before? The Bible doesn't tell us. So all that to say, we shouldn't be dogmatic about things the Bible is not dogmatic about. You get what I'm saying? So if the Bible doesn't say it happened a certain way, then we don't know. This will become important later. But we don't know. We know that when God be- decides to create on the earth living things, that the Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep, the water, and that there's a discussion, let us make man in our image, right? We know that happens. Okay. So we know this is being of creation, that all these threads that are happening in history all come back to this point, the foundations of the earth. This is what it's talking about. Like Revelation 13.8 says, the lamb, Jesus, was slain from the foundation of the earth. It wasn't like man screwed up and God was surprised. Before he ever created man and gave him free will, what happened? When, when he says, let us make man in our image, you've got the Father, God, Creator, you've got the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the deep. We know Jesus, all things were created through him, right? In John, we're told that. So you've got Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. When they make that decision, what are they also deciding? This is going to cost us. <laughs> Creating man in our image with free will is going to cost us something. They counted the cost before they ever made us. Like, let your mind be blown by that. From the foundation of the earth, Jesus was slain. That we could be redeemed image bearers of God. What's your worth? What's your worth? They counted it before they ever created man, created you. They counted your worth. And they were willing to count the cost and say, Tim is worth it. Sue is worth it. From the foundation of the earth, Jesus said, I know what this costs me, but I love Dennis. I love Elaine. I love who they're going to be. I already know their name. And he's slain from the foundation of the earth. Makes the choice. First Peter 1, call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here on earth, uh, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, right? Not with cheap things. You aren't redeemed with cheap things. You aren't redeemed even with things that we find expensive, like silver and gold. From your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but it's been manifest now in these times for you to see. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus knew innocent blood. That's what it will take to redeem Becky and redeem Shanna and redeem Bob. And I'm in. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Ephesians 1. He chose us 
in him before the foundation of the world. He knew what your choices would be before the foundation of the world. If you made Christ Lord, he saw before the foundation of the world and he knew you would be in him. Are your minds, like, it's quiet so I can't tell, but this stuff blows my mind. Before the foundation of the world, he saw Victoria. Is that Victoria? Hey, you, how are you doing? Before the foundation of the world, he knew that Victoria would choose him and he said, she'll be in me and I'm counting the cost and it's totally worth it. Let your mind be blown. That's amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Matthew 25, when Jesus tells the parable about those who are judged and go to hell and those who are accepted by his father, he says, come, you blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world. That's amazing. From the foundation of the world, he said, there's going to come a time you've got to live in this corrupted world. It'll be corrupted. You're going to have to live in that. But Sean, I'm preparing a place for you. Come on. Come on. Before the story started, he said, Tim Coleman, I'm preparing a place for you because I see that you're going to choose me and you're going to be in me. So how thoroughly has he ordered your steps that he's already got the finish prepared? How thoroughly has he ordered the steps you're in right now? That from the foundation of the world, a God who creates the entire cosmos has ordered your steps. He's already got a place prepared for you. There isn't one step you take he hasn't foreseen. And if you will rely upon him, you will see him walk it out with you. Right? Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and we'll just do this quickly. I wish we could take more time. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Really quickly, let me just say this. This is a more minor point, but let me just say this really quick. Um, don't get forced into bad decisions. There's almost never this side or that side, especially in our heated politics right now. Don't get forced into a corner, right? You might see people in environmentalist movement that's like secular progressive environmentalists who clearly have a religion of environmentalism. That's their religion now. And some of the stuff they say is really scary. I don't know, I see small children who are crying and like angry and I'm like, stop doing that to children. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, right? But that shouldn't force you to not care about the environment. <laughs> right? These are false choices. Either, either you're a polluter or you are crying at night, every night, out of fear and worry to show you care, right? These are false choices. These are false choices. How about this? How about this? I don't live in fear. Oh, thanks, Josh. I don't live in fear. And I also feel like we should be really responsible with the earth that God gave us. How about both those things can be true? I don't have to use worldly tools of guilt and shame on people so they care about the environment. I can use kingdom tools and care about the environment. How many of you are with me? We shouldn't pollute water and air, that's stupid. 
And that's why I think to a large extent people have stopped doing certain things, but come on, there are some people to make a buck. Some people to make a buck. They wouldn't care if your kids had like three legs and one arm, you know what I'm saying? So come on, let's be vigilant. Are you with me? So many, of, so many things we're talking about in politics right now are presented as either or choices and they're not. They are not. I can be pro-life and also care very deep about women who find themselves in really bad situations. Right? Don't be forced into false choices. So he says, hey, I'm giving the earth, we're gonna partner and subdue it. So he's made, he's made Eden, which we'll get to in a minute. He's made Eden beautiful, perfect, but they weren't gonna stay in Eden forever. There was work to be done. He said, we're gonna partner together and subdue the rest of the earth, which we'll get to that in later weeks. But we were always made to work alongside him. It wasn't like we were made in Eden to live in a hammock, right? There was always work for us to do with him. It just got much harder with the fall. And now we have to learn how to work in his rhythms of working from rest and not resting from work. And work in his rhythms where the yoke is easy and burns light instead of working right in fallen world ways, which we'll get to in the future. Okay, but what I wanna hone in on, last thing, is that we're made in his image. From the foundation of the earth, we were made in his image and in his likeness that he would have relationship with us. You can't have relationship with people that don't choose you. You know, kidnapping someone and locking them in your basement because you want to be loved doesn't actually work. <laughs> right? Um, it's super creepy and will put you in jail for a long time. Not good. Love requires choice. He's made us for relationship and he's given us a choice to choose him or to not choose him. And I want to talk to you, the foundation of the earth, these decisions are made, Ephesians 3. I just want to connect, because all through scripture, from the foundation of the earth, from the foundation of the earth, from the foundation of the earth, right? It's this constant language hearkening back to these verses. Ephesians 3 says that he is a father from whom every family and on, on heaven and earth derives its name. Think about that. He is the father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Right here, creation point, where he's gonna give them the ability to make children and create family. This is the beginning point, and he's saying all family really comes from me. And I don't think that we can underestimate how crucial family is to functioning society. The cornerstone of society is family. It has to be. And whether that's because you've had children or because you participate in family and don't have children, either way, we're part of family, right? And whether you have children or don't have children, how many of you know spiritually, all of us should have children, spiritually? There are people who need spiritual moms and dads. In either way, physical family, spiritual family, family is the basis for any kind of um, order in the chaos. 
every family in heaven earth derives its name from him. I'll start Ephesians 3. Give it some context. Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal purpose that started from the foundation of the world that's now been accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord that every ruler on heaven and earth would know what his plan is, that his glory would be revealed, right? In him and through him and through faith in him, we, um, wait, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of, this, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And the more we submit ourselves, right, to this, our faith in Christ, believing him, being led by him, our capacity increases. He says, I pray that you'd be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. That's awesome. That's awesome. And this hinge point, listen, what you're a part of now in spiritual family, he says, what you're a part of in family, it all started with him. He is the father from whom every family derives its name. If you think about family, within a culture, things just naturally happen, occur, morals will just naturally kind of assume. If you think about individual families, physical families, these are microcosms. These are microcultures of the broader culture, right? Every family has its own culture. This is why we have jokes about in-laws, right? <laughs> because everyone seems super normal at the restaurant. And then you marry into the family and you're like, your family's crazy. <laughs> what do you mean your family's crazy, right? Because behind those closed doors, everyone's polite, but behind those closed doors, people are who they really are, for good or for bad. And they create their own culture of what's normal. I'm not going to tell you more jokes. I'm just going to leave that with you. <laughs> it's the truth. And so within the broader culture, every family is this microcosm of culture. And so God gives us the power to, one, procreate and have more children, but we also have the power within our own families, whatever those families look like, we have the power within our own families to create powerful culture. And that powerful culture we create within our homes then can permeate broader culture. K-12 
Can you think of families who are like, I would love to be part of that family. That's amazing, right? Families that are functioning, families where there's joy, families where there's honor, families where everybody gets to be powerful, people have opinions, right? People are attracted to the qualities of righteous families. And people often, even they have their own family, kind of want to be a little bit adopted into those families too. Because you can feel whatever you guys have, I need to learn. Like however you guys do life, I kind of want to learn how to do it that way too. Because I like, well, I, I'm drawn to the character of Christ in the culture you've created in your family. And so in this powerful way, within our own homes, we are able to create a culture that, listen, people screw up. It's not that people ever get everything right. But when you have shared values that look like Jesus, when you screw up, it's where you go back to, right? It's not that we don't screw stuff up. It's just when I screw it up, I know that that's not who I am. Hey, sorry I was a jerk yesterday. Why do I say I'm sorry? Because we have a standard that's different than that. And we're going back to that standard, right? I'm not saying any family gets it perfect, but when you have a culture that says we want to radiate the glory of God, I want to do things exactly like him as much as possible, then all of a sudden, we have influence beyond our own family. We begin to influence a broader culture, which brings us back to the opening statement. God has created you from the foundations of the earth to partner with him. And he has created you to make a footprint. He has created you to change culture and to create culture. Every family on earth derives its name from him. You can live apart from that or you can get under it. But I would encourage you today, as we think about these first verses in scripture, know your place in him. He's Lord, we're not, thank God. But he's Lord and we're not, which means I have confidence. I have peace. And I have a roadmap for my life. I have a roadmap for the family around me. Maybe you're here and you're like, I have no family. I'm literally alone in the world. Well, guess what? Look what family. Like, whether it's spiritual family, we have a roadmap now to how to do it in a way that not only makes life better, but radiates his glory so that more people can know his goodness. So here's my challenge to you today. If you are stirred up by anything in this, then, then take that to the Lord as we worship. But specifically, if there's areas where you're like, I know this is not submitted to him, or I know in this area I don't trust him to come through, or I don't believe that I can be anything better than what I am. I know I don't look like him in this area, but I don't believe I've lost hope it can be different. Anything in our lives that's not aligned to him, would you be willing to offer to him today? I'm going to choose to believe you can meet me in this place. I'm going to choose to believe that you can work in this area. Would you stand? Worship team, come on up. We're going to take communion right away together in spiritual family. Prayer team, I'm going to have you hold off because we're going to do communion. After we do communion, prayer team, you can come on up. I should if you would come on up. Jesus is good. Jesus is good.
Father, do what you want to do in this house. Some of you may be some disappointed hopes and faith were stirred up for you. Maybe there's some life disappointments that come up for you. Listen, offer them to him. Don't let them define the rest of your steps. Let him do the work, whatever he's stirring up in you. Let him do the work. He's good. He's good. He's good. Thank you, Lord. We're going to receive communion as the family of God. Aren't you so glad that God doesn't just say, hey, I hope you make it. He left a church. Thank you, God. He left a local church. We can actually encourage one another, spur one another on, do the will of God. We can pray with one another. Here's what I encourage you to do is we receive the emblems today of Jesus' sacrifice from the foundation of the world. I want you to be asking him. Father, is there someone here I need to encourage? Maybe he gives you a word. Maybe you feel led to pray for someone. Maybe you need prayer and you ask the person next to you or around you, hey, can you pray for me? But let's take some time in spiritual family to minister to each other as we take these emblems. If you guys want to, are, are people coming up for them? Okay, we're going to do the come up for the emblem. I love it. I, love, I know it's slower, but I love it this way. So why don't you guys go ahead and take your positions. And if you want to receive communion, you're welcome to. It, you don't have to be a member of the church as long as you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You've given your life to him. We welcome you to receive communion. Again, you don't have to. But this side, if, you, if we want to come up the middle aisle, and then we'll go back to our seats in the outer aisle, but let's come up and receive the emblems as the worship team sings. Hold on to them. Well, actually, don't. Don't hold on to them. Because if you're ministering to each other, I don't mess that up. Receive the emblems. Come on up. Come on up. Since we're going to take them on our own, let me just say why we take communion. When Jesus knew it was his time to die, the fullness of time had come. He knew he'd be betrayed. He gathered his disciples, including the one who would betray him, and he offered bread. He broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the cup and said, this is my blood spilled for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they partook together. All of them but John were going to take off on him that night. And still, he offers grace and mercy to everyone there. So as you take these emblems of communion on your own or with someone next to you, would you just thank him? If there's any issue of sin between you and him, offer it to him. His mercy is available. He's good. He's good. He's good. Amen.
God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. is greater our god is stronger god you are higher than any other our god is healer awesome in power our god our god our god our god is greater our god is stronger god you are higher than any other our god is healer awesome in power our god God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand again? Stand again. What can stand again? Stand again. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God, oh, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. team if you would come on up darkness you have filled me with peace giver of mercy you're my help in time of need 
Lord, I, I can't help but sing Faithful you are Faithful forever you will be Faithful you are Oh, your promises are yes and amen Oh, your promises are yes and amen Beautiful Savior, you have brought me near You pulled me from the ashes, you have broken every curse Blessed Redeemer, you have set this captive free Lord, I, I can't help but sing Faithful Faithful you are Faithful forever you will be Faithful you are All your promises are yes and amen All your promises all your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises. All your promises are yes and amen. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you is your faithfulness and I will rest in your promises my confidence oh is your faithfulness and I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness and we will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness faithful faithful you are Oh, your promises 
your promises are yes and amen. So we 
That part of the scripture that talks about the foundation of the world, how God was going to create man and how every family derives its name from the Father. Ephesians, the language there is patria, pater, father. Every father derives his name from this father. Um, man, there's something really powerful in that. Too much to unpack on a Sunday morning. But I just want to pray over families. If you're here today and you're the head of a household, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. If you're here today, you're the head of a household. Yeah. I want to pray for you. So, you see hands up. Would you find, would you find somebody with a hand up if your hand is not up? Maybe your, your hand is up, but you're standing next to them with their hand up. You could lay a shoulder on them, hand on their shoulder. Look around. Who's got a hand up? Find them. They can have more than one person. Don't want to be afraid to encourage people. Look behind you. Look in front of you. Hey, Jim needs somebody. Can you grab him? Yeah. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you, Father. You have the power to create culture. <laughs> you have the power to set culture. Even if your kids are grown and gone, even if you don't have kids, your family is setting a culture that gets to radiate out from you. Huh. Thank you, Father. I really believe one of the schemes of the enemy in this day 
is to discourage particularly men, well, men and women. People say there's a war against men, some of there's a war against women. It's both happening. But I think specifically to discourage men from feeling like they can lead. Constantly showing them their failures. And I really believe there's a word of life in this room today for the head of the household. Maybe your mom, you're the head of the household. You're the one it's falling on. Father, first of all, I just want to pray for disappointed dreams. <laughs> I want to pray for disappointed dreams that anybody with their hand up has, maybe in just the things that have happened or even they just feel like they had some do-overs. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit, the God who created the universe would just speak life, life into every heart who has a raised hand, that nothing's over till it's over. Um, especially for those of you that maybe you weren't a believer when your kids were at home and you feel like the time has passed. I just want to say as long as there is breath in your lungs, you have the power to create culture within your family. As long as there is breath in, their, in your lungs. For some of you, I feel like it's almost like there's a weight on you and Jesus is saying, do you want me to pick it up now? Tell him yes, if that's you, pick it up. Pick it up, pick it up. You can't lead under that weight of what could have been. You got to start right now and believe the God who created the universe is with you. And as long as there's breath in your lungs, <laughs> the same spirit that hovered over the face of the deep, that dynamo power is dwelling in you. If you are a believer and it is never too late, <laughs> it is never too late. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just pray for each household here, each family, all the names come back to you. You started all these families. You have plans for these families. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray for divine wisdom and guidance. I pray for families that have children and don't have children. God, there is something specific you are doing within that unit. And we just pray right now in Jesus' name for your glory to fill those homes. Father, I just pray for every head of the household in this room that they would know that you want to give them wisdom. They would know that you want to share your heart with them. That they would know that they can ask you, like James 1 says, if you need wisdom, you ask me and I will give it to you. He will give you divine plans for how to speak to your kids and family members. He will give you divine insight and things to say and things to do. He knows their heart. He knows the heart of those you're responsible for. And he wants to give you tools that will bring life to everything you touch. Father, I thank you that your plan is not to crush people under the weight of responsibility. But your plan is to raise people up mighty. Mighty. We can do hard things in you. We can do hard things in you. Father, every family on earth derives its name from you. Father, help us to rely on you. Help us to trust in you. Help us to gain strength from you. Help us to follow your wisdom. Don't let us feel sorry for ourselves and give up. <laughs> Father, give us strength to endure the hard things. Thank you, Father.
thank you. For, it's not arrogant to lead. It's righteous to lead. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more. No place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love. Here in your love, no place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be, there's no place I'd rather be, than here in your love, here in your love, set a fire down in my soul, that I can't contain, that I can't control, I want more of you God, I want more of you God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We love you, Lord. It just feels like there's more work to do in the house. I'm going to pray, but I just feel like maybe even the work is encouraging one another. Would you just ask God, God, do you have like a prophetic word of encouragement to give me for someone here? Maybe you want to feel led to pray for somebody. But as the worship team leads after we pray, would you just follow God's lead on that? Maybe you want to continue to worship, but I just feel like maybe there's some ministry that needs to happen here. How many of you know you don't need a name tag to do the Jesus stuff? If you are a believer, he has given you the kingdom without measure already. <laughs> Even Judas went out and healed the sick and raised the dead. You know what I'm saying? He has given you the kingdom without measure. Everybody gets to play in the house. So if you feel like maybe God's moving on you, take some time to minister to someone near you, maybe he's put on your, on your mind, or if you want to continue to worship, if you've got to go, I want to bless you too. 
Would you pray with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What are we singing?